back to Refried Reviews, everybody. I'm John. This is JP. And uh, today we're talking about a Hollywood classic, uh, 1939's The Wizard of Oz. Um, everybody's seen it at some point. Probably nobody remembers it. Um, <laughs> I know I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I remembered it more just for all the references that are made to it. Like, that was what kept hitting me through the movie, was like, oh, that's that's from this, and that's uh, that's the thing that such and such a shitty techno artist from the 90s sampled. <laughs> um, I do have to admit that almost immediately, the uh, I was thinking about the, the sort of Futurama parody of it, and yeah. there's that line that always struck me where, uh, you know, the professor is arguing that, that Dorothy has to go home, and she's he, uh, she wants to stay and be a witch. And he says something akin to... Uh, no, you have to tap your boots together and go home to live in Kansas, to live in poverty with your dirt farming aunt and uncle. <laughs> and so that occurred to me early on, and I really was watching the whole movie with like through that prism. Yeah, I was like, wow, this chick's life seems to really suck in Kansas, and she can't wait to go back for some reason. Well, I mean, that's that's her arc, right? Is yeah. that she she uh, initially is like, I need to get out of this because uh, it's shitty. The only thing there is to eat is uh, hot dogs over a campfire, <laughs> and and everything's brown. Um, yeah. Um, uh, see that that raises some really interesting existential questions about this universe because, <laughs> um, as as everybody probably knows, the movie starts in Kansas and it's all sepia toned, and then when she gets to Oz, it's all color. And by the way, that that effect totally holds up. It was just incredible. It oh just yeah, exploded. Saturation is gorgeous. Yeah, it's great. Um, but are we, since that transition happens, are we to assume then that her world was actually black and white until like she a got to Pleasantville Oz? thing? I think it might have been a Pleasantville type of thing. Huh. Yeah. Um, which, in which case, the, the whole thing is even worse. Like, and she, she <laughs> achieves a satisfaction with it, mm-hmm. with the whole idea that, like you said, she has to go home and live with her dirt poor aunt and uncle. <laughs> um, sidebar, I love that Dorothy also comes from the old school Hollywood. Uh, sort of trope of the uh the unexplained orphan don't worry about it <laughs> like yeah where are her parents like They're out of the picture no further questions <laughs> there was a depression they starved is what happens <laughs> they starved to death ah <laughs> uh, yes so um i guess we'll, we'll we'll tackle first uh first experiences with it i mean i honestly don't remember my first experience with this movie. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that's just so culturally ubiquitous that I think I saw it when I was really little at my grandmother's or something. Mm-hmm. But like, I I honestly think I remember this movie way more just for how much it saturated the culture than for the movie itself. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say other than just it's just always been a part of my life. And to the point where like really minor parts like really resonated with me like the whole you know cowardly lions like we would put him up put him up yeah, sort of yeah. thing he does uh there were was... definitely a lot of things that i didn't notice like were cultural references yeah like the, what is it the slave ship singing or whatever like oh, yeah oh. i didn't know that came from there which yeah. i presume it did i i it's it's got to i i love those weird uh witch guys costumes too mm-hmm. um and and their casual attitude towards the murder of their boss which is something that i want to revisit <laughs> later um but yeah, my my experience were similar. Like I think I watched it in elementary school, but like little kid watching where you're, I remember it being on, yeah, and sort of sitting in front of it. I don't even know how much attention I was paying at the time. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't remember it real well before I sat down last you night. Didn't notice that Munchkin hanging himself. <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty of things I didn't remember. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, uh, well, I guess we'll we'll do a little bit of a thorough recap um, because one of the things I really want to talk about is the structure of this movie and how it differs from uh, from movies now because. Um, like I was saying to you before we started recording, I don't even feel like I can evaluate The Wizard of Oz the way I evaluate most films I see, mm-hmm. because it's not even doing the same thing. It's an artifact more than it's it's a film from the feel of it. Like, there aren't a whole lot of, like, there's almost no editing to speak of, first of all. <laughs> um, there's so many just long takes. Like, we're just going to watch Judy Garland, who, by the way, looks just like Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, it huh. didn't have yeah she's got the same little upturned upper lip thing going on i'm gonna have to look at the cover when i get home i can kind of yeah visualize they that. they they are the same person huh um only one of them is going to be doused in blood this summer <laughs> and that's judy garland after i dig her up ah yes <laughs> i hope there was which, a good conclusion. you got plan, you got plans thursday <laughs> I'll find my shovel <laughs> great um so we start out in kansas and it's brown and uh, basically, Dorothy Gale lives with uh, her Auntie M, and I think Uncle Henry is her mm-hmm. uncle's name. And these three hired hands, who <laughs> miraculously have never raped Dorothy, given that it was uh, given that it was the '30s. Well, they have to watch the pig pen to make sure to to dig out any victims that fall in. <laughs> Shades of Deadwood. <laughs> um, that's just. What if that's actually what's going on here? They're like bootleggers in Kansas because it's Prohibition era Kansas. Bricktop is out on the farm. <laughs> yeah, and this is just how they dispose of people. And all of this, this Oz fantasy, is just sort of how Dorothy copes with <laughs> the constant violence around her. She's just living this Pollyanna existence because it turns out the Annie M and Uncle Henry are neck deep in some shit. <laughs> I mean the. The entire point of the movie did seem like it was sort of a coping mechanism, so it's not that far of a leap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the dark secrets of the Gale home. <laughs> maybe, dude, maybe, uh, what was the name, uh, the, the woman who played the witch uh, who was trying to take Toto away at the beginning? So, plot-wise, very beginning, Dorothy gets home, and then there's some some queen bitch on a bicycle rides up and is like, <laughs> oh, Toto bit me. Um, and then he, she's got like just a signed little slip of paper from the sheriff saying, I can have your dog (laughs) and you can't go against the law. Yeah. They're, they're fucking clear about that. Um, small town law. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, so she takes Toto and then he jumps out of the basket, but, but maybe she was actually the good guy. Like maybe, maybe, maybe this was just like the first, maybe the dog was going to crack. (laughs) <laughs> she was going to put him under a light and he was just going to give them all up. I did notice sort of how directly um, the old lady wanting the dog dead mirrored uh, the gremlins old lady who wanted the dog dead. Sort of like the old bitch of the neighborhood. <laughs> I don't remember that in gremlins. Uh, like, you know, there's there's sort of the elderly, elderly lady who eventually gets her comeuppance where her uh, disability elevator fires her out through the roof of her house and stuff. Oh, I don't remember that at all. I need to rewatch Gremlins. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Most of what I remember is uh, Phoebe Cates' dad getting stuck uh, in the yeah. chimney. I mean, yeah. if you're going to remember one point, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the probably the right one. And the kick-ass melting Gremlin effect at yeah. the end. Um, <laughs> that, that, that I really enjoyed. Yeah, um, one of the best PG effects. <laughs> oh, God, that was PG, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was PG in a movie about someone's dad getting stuck in a chimney <laughs> like Ugh, that's which by the way this is a little bit of a detour but have you seen gremlins 2 i have yes uh, where she tells the other story about arbor day that i don't remember there's this whole <laughs> scene in gremlins 2 where she starts to tell this story about like how her uncle was trying to give them the best <laughs> arbor day ever and then they just cut her off oh that 
Gremlins 2, uh, apparently you've seen it more recently than I have, but I just love how insane it is. It's maddening. Like, if you step back and look at, like, this was a studio sequel to a big money-making movie that they were trying to turn into a franchise. Yeah. And it's just so bizarre. Like, Hulk Hogan breaks the fourth wall. Yes. And you know they recorded a separate one for the for the VHS release? Really? A separate Hulk Hogan breaking the fourth wall because the like, the movie theater thing didn't make any sense uh-huh. um, in on home video. So I haven't seen it, but supposedly there's a different Hulk Hogan breaking the fourth wall that you put on the VHS release. I don't know if the DVD has it or anything like that. Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, that that was a labor of love. It's like, uh, it reminds <laughs> me very tangentially, and now we're way off the beaten path, but fuck it, yeah. um, of uh, Mega Man 2. Do you know the story of how Mega Man 2 got made? Got made? No. So Capcom puts out Mega Man. And it did okay. You know, it was a fun little game. It was all right. Mm-hmm. And uh, they weren't going to make a sequel. Capcom uh, told the developers they weren't going to make a sequel. But the developers were like, look, we just like cracked sort of the code of how to make this a good game. Like, we we can make something amazing. And they were like, you know, uh, we're not really interested. But if you want to do something on your own time, that's fine. All the guys uh, on the Mega Man 2 team were working on other stuff the whole time. They stayed nights and weekends and worked on Mega Man 2 in their spare time. Oh, wow. Labor of, labor of love? Yeah. And then nice. when it was done, they just handed it to uh, the suits and were like, look, we just made this at night. Do you want it? And they played it and they were like, yeah, this is this is amazing. We'd, we'd very much like to take this. And huh. uh, yeah, they put it out and like Mega Man wouldn't be a franchise if these guys hadn't just decided they were going to make a sequel and fuck, every, fuck all the haters. Wow. So yeah. I guess... Uh... If you leave developers to their devices, they'll make really fucking difficult games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they will. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, back to the 30s mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and the Gale family's criminal enterprise and uh, the Wicked Witch of the West attempts to shut them down. I really like this fan theory. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm pretty into it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, to, to, to the plot... Um, Toto comes back uh, to the farm after escaping from the clutches of the evil bicycle lady. And Dorothy's like, well, if they're going to take you away, we're just going to run away. Because that was something you could do back in the day. (laughs) And she runs into um, some guy you never see anymore who is uh, basically a snake oil salesman slash psychic. Um, I like, I like that back in the day, like your pitch for why people should pay attention to you is just, I've been more places than you. Um, and, and you don't know what's going on in the Orient. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to make some shit up. Um, I do think that whole sequence was an interesting departure. Like, yeah. I sort of understood the point later, but as you're watching it the first time, I'm like, this is kind of weird. What was the point? <laughs> well, I, the way I took it was later on with the when she's talking to the 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 wicked witch. There's like a big crystal ball that they're looking through. Yeah. I thought the idea is assuming the Oz thing is like in her head when she's injured. This sort of she picked up cues from met this weirdo making mystical promises. Yeah. Like, so yeah. of course people people make pronouncements using crystal balls. Yes, that's what they do. Um, okay, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, she after she takes a hot dog from a strange man, she um, heads on back home because she decides because oh yeah because he lies and tells her that he sees her aunt having a heart attack <laughs> and she has to go home to be with her. Which what a hateful man! Just like you couldn't just say I value my privacy. Would you please leave me alone? Instead, you make up a story and scare this poor naive girl. Yeah, not a very good fortune teller. But I guess it's supposed to be like 12 or something. I assume, yeah. Yeah. Um, So she runs home just as a tornado, which, by the way, looked great, was coming. Do you know anything about how they made that tornado? 
I mean, just from sort of looking at it on the Blu-ray, yeah. I mean, I assume giant fans for making people's hair blow and stuff, but yeah. it looked to me like as if it was a, a big nylon stocking or something yeah. that they were sort of scooting along the floor okay. in circular patterns. That was sort of what I assume it was. And they were just like pumping air through it or something? Something yeah. like that, And then yeah. they had it like kicking up dust at the ground level and everything. That was, mm-hmm. It looked really, really good. Yeah, I was um, very impressed the whole way through with the movie's effects. Yeah, it goes to show you, like, if you just... Uh, Put your uh, if you just put your shit far away, like you'll end up with something really, really good. <laughs> yeah, um, and I mean to hold up to uh, the Blu-ray standard these days. Yeah. I mean there are movies from 15 years ago that when you look at them in high def, you start to see all the blemishes. Yeah, so I was pretty impressed overall. Yeah, it looks really. This is a great, great looking film. Um, so all the t- all this time at th- around this point was when I started noticing like this movie does not from a cinematography standpoint, employ nearly the same vocabulary that we're used to now. Like, there is no coverage. Mm-hmm. None. Everything is these really long tableau-style takes. Like, every take lasts, like, two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, or every shot lasts two and a half minutes. And, uh, yeah, it just seems like it's a very stage play-ish sort of way of making a film. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It does have a very sort of traditional musical stage feel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the... If they do employ interesting cinematography, it's usually getting some elevation to the camera with the use of a crane just so they can emphasize the scale of a musical number. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the only real trick in the handbook. And it's fine. It's it's plenty effective. Um, but, you know, it's it's mainly just because that was how they just cranked them out back in the day, I guess. Yeah, I also, I sort of assumed in seeing the the gorgeous colors and everything, they probably put a lot of time and money into those sets. So let's yeah. get a lot of big glory shots where you can see it. Yeah. And to me, it really looked like um, sort of the the setup, maybe as you're waiting in line at Disneyland for a ride or something. Yeah. Like you really never see structures that colorful and maintained and yeah. everything in real life. So it was, it was really interesting getting those big wide views of that kind of scenery. <laughs> yeah. They really like let you have a look at it in a way that, you know, so often now with special effects, directors will do use quick cuts and, uh, you know, sort of out of focus, uh, you know, uh, framing and everything to uh, kind of disguise what might be a flaw in the effects. Mm-hmm. And it really, like Victor Fleming, the guy who directed it, um, who later that year directed a little movie called Gone with the Wind. Yeah, um, we were talking about that last week. I had never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> it was the same guy. May as well have just dropped the mic and walked out of L.A. at that point. <laughs> like, <laughs> there you go. Film history, bitches. I'm going to go live in Idaho and farm. Because fuck it. I'm Victor Fleming. Anywhere but Kansas. Anywhere but Kansas. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, uh, he, he seems content to kind of linger on this stuff. It, it's, it gives me a feeling of just like confidence in the production design. Like, mm-hmm. no, I know this stuff looks great. And everything does. Like, the makeup effects on the Scarecrow and the Tin Man, the Scarecrow looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. The stippling on his face and the way he kind of looks like he's made of fabric and everything. Like, mm-hmm. there's just care that goes into it. Yeah. Um, really, really impressive stuff. Um, yeah, it all just looks fantastic. So, I guess uh, back in Kansas, like I said, she gets back and then the tornado's happening. She goes inside. Um, she conks her head somehow. How'd mm-hmm. she conk her head again? Do you remember? Uh, she went out to the bomb shelter, or they, um, whatever, that a shelter they have, the underground one, and they, uh, apparently no one's even paying attention at the door, because yeah! she's, like, pounding, <laughs> and they're like, they must have been like, well, she's, she's gone. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. They have given up on Dorothy. 
in like six minutes. Yeah. They're like, no, we have to close the door. Like, we'll, we will make another one. Don't worry. <laughs> but she, she runs back into the house, and then the, the window breaks and sort of collapses onto her, I believe is what happens. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And somehow she doesn't get covered in <laughs> gashes. Um, instead, she just gets a little conk on the head. Yeah. Um, one of those plot contrivance conks that we're so familiar with. <laughs> And uh, her brain damage manifests itself in the form of a mystical wonderland. Mm -hmm. She gets Uh, a synesthesia or something, so all the (laughs) colors go a little nuts. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, once once the house uh, kind of falls out of the tornado, then she opens the door and suddenly everything's in crazy color. And then Munchkinland happens and... Good God, Munchkinland is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, we well, you were saying with those long takes, like there are so many people and there's so much to all those sets. It's yeah. just so crazy, the idea that they were ballsy enough to like, it'll be fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, and, and I couldn't, I, I found myself just looking in the back, just at like what everybody was doing. And everybody's on point. Everybody's, you know, in an amazing little meticulous costume. You know, it just, it's, it's just how they did it back then. They weren't digitally inserting anybody because they mm-hmm. didn't have the ability to do anything digitally ever. Um, I was going to actually mention one thing that I thought was interesting throughout the movie was with these sort of lush sets and all this stuff in the background, it was interesting how static it feels by today's standards mm-hmm. where, you know, Avatar on suddenly it's like, oh, you need thousands of little jungle creatures at every layer as you look back. Yeah. And just to see matte paintings was was interesting. Like, yeah. it was less distracting, I guess, which is a yeah. good thing. But. It, was, it, definitely, it, it definitely directed your focus. Um, I didn't love the matte paintings. Um, mm-hmm. I found them kind of distracting. I, I thought they could have been better than they were. I mean, because there's, there's those scenes uh, that we'll get to in a bit where... Uh, when she one by one picks up her three friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and each time, each one of those ends with them singing, follow the yellow brick road. And then they kind of go off into the distance. And like every one of them, I just was like, you're running towards a wall, Dorothy. Like, like you, <laughs> it's, it, it's like going to be like the end of the Truman show. Like you got to stop. <laughs> um, it's going to be bad. Um, but I want to talk for a second about, about Munchkin land and how this place is set up because the Munchkins really do get sort of, sort of the shaft in this whole thing first off their credit at the beginning just says and the munchkins <laughs> do you did you notice that in the opening crawl uh i didn't notice crawl is, is it at the are they mentioned at the end or anything or are they just never name checked um well no i mean this is back in the day so that all the credits were at the beginning and um yeah it lists all the principles um you know judy garland and so and so and so and so and so and so and then it just says and the munchkins <laughs> they're at the bottom like wow guys really you oh. couldn't give the mayor of munchkin land his own fucking credit <laughs> poor munchkins yeah but then like did glinda the good witch kind of strike you as is sort of a benevolent dictator of this place <laughs> uh yeah the the line that stuck out to me was the um uh only bad witches are ugly or only evil witches are ugly yeah and that just sort of stuck out to me. It's like, that's convenient. Like, I think I remember that from the Salem Witch Trials, too. <laughs> but uh, it was just, it was funny that I, I watched this, like, last night, midnight or something, and yeah. then I just happened to be glancing at Facebook this morning, yeah. and someone had posted a meme of Glinda with the the meme type, like, says only evil witches are ugly, asks if Dorothy is an evil witch. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I hadn't even really noticed that. <laughs> Oh, that's kind of fantastic. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> but no, the way she like tells all the munchkins, like, it's okay, you can come out now. Like, she's very maternal towards them, but mm-hmm. like, they have a city government. 
Like, there's a mayor. And not not like a trivial figurehead sort of mayor. Like, this guy's providing social services. They have a coroner. Mm-hmm. Like, he pronounces the witch dead. He's got a certificate that he drew up. Like, somebody notarized that shit. Yeah. Like, clearly, these guys are running their own town. But every now and then, this tall bitch shows up and <laughs> starts saying that, uh, that, that, that she's in charge of everybody and telling them what to do. Like, it made me wonder, like, do the munchkins just sort of take this in stride? Because she's magic? Like, I mean, what are you going to do? Float in in a pink bubble. I mean, I don't know if intimidating is the word, but it would certainly get my attention. <laughs> Might be worth paying attention to them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not going to, like, step to her, because if you can float <laughs> around in a pink bubble, maybe she can shoot fire, too. Right, right. I don't know what else you can do, but I bet that's not the only thing. Um, and you got that sparkly wand. I've never seen anything like that before from a munchkin. <laughs> um, Just err on the side of caution. It's all we're saying. Exactly. Um... So, yeah, maybe they're just like, I guess this is just what our lives are going to be like. Every now and then this woman will show up. And, you know, if we just go along with it, you know, she she doesn't seem to to want us to, you know, I don't know, engage in gladiatorial combat for her amusement <laughs> or anything like that. So we'll we'll just kind of take this all in stride. And just pretend everything's OK and hope she leaves as soon as possible. Yeah, because she probably only shows up every two or three months, like mm-hmm. just checks in and they're like, no, we're still good. And like, you know, on so, at some point they had a meeting. And they're like, you know what, Glinda? She needs this. <laughs> like, we can just, we're doing her a favor. Mm-hmm. Because she shows up, she gets a little validation. She's like, I take care of the munchkins. She needs to feel like she earned her salary. Yeah. Or, or however witches get paid. <laughs> um, we, we don't know the structure. Um, anyway, House Falls on the Witch. They have a bunch of big musical numbers um, involving uh, the Lollipop Guild, who is my favorite part of this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Those three guys. Like, I love, like, 30s like unsavory youth stereotypes <laughs> <laughs> and the little like clasping their hands together like waving them on either side of their head you can't see what i'm doing right now audience but uh, <laughs> i'm i'm you know the gesture if you've seen it. it's the old timey like hip hip hooray thing yeah um, yeah like i'm gonna start doing that <laughs> i love that it's like old sailor voices just yes. slapped on top of these little kids they're 35 jp (laughs) (laughs) they're grown men (laughs) one of them is divorced (laughs) oh life is rough in munchkin land it truly is um but yeah they uh so she she sets out on the yellow brick road because she wants to go home and they're like oh the wizard can tell you and then here's another example of just like the movies really i don't want to sound like chauvinistic towards present day film but like Really just simplistic plotting because the next three scenes are just one by one her picking up her companions. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no like uh, any, there's no other challenges. There's no nothing. She just like sees the scarecrow, helps him out. Now he's going for a brain. She sees the tin man, oils him up. Now he wants a heart. We get a little musical number. Then she meets the cowardly lion. Um, She, well, I guess there is that one scene where um, Dorothy and the scarecrow see the the apple trees Mm -hmm. and they get some apples thrown at them. But that's it. That I found almost shocking when the tree went for her. Like <laughs> it was just more aggressive than I expected yeah. in that movie. Yeah. So it definitely came out of nowhere where I was like, holy shit, did the scarecrow just start like a gang war amongst the <laughs> flora and fauna of this land? Like, You'd think he would be briefed or something. <laughs> um so yeah, I guess there is that. There's that one little scene, but it all happens in really rapid succession. Um also can we talk a little bit about the unexplained crane outside of the Tin Man's cabin? <laughs> what the sure. hell's going on there? Like, I got nothing. Why is there a crane there? Yeah, I mean, the the entire Tin Man, I mean, I hesitate to call it a story, but 
like how long has he been rusted there? Like I'm a year. He I, says a year. He says a year. Yeah. Wow. But someone's been feeding that crane. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe pellets fall out of him occasionally. <laughs> He's, the Tin Man is a feeder. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I usually I have some fun little fan theory, but I really I'm at a loss. Mm-hmm. I do know um, that the cr- the crane is the reason for the whole like a Munchkin hung himself on the set um rumor mm-hmm. um because if you i think i didn't catch it this this watch through um but if you watch for the scene where the munchkin is supposedly swinging i think it's in the cowardly lions forest um if you look closely it's the crane like I he's see. just poking around back there they just had this crane around and they kept putting him in shit i have no <laughs> idea why uh-huh. um, clearly like Peta was not a concern yeah i mean maybe it was like their whole animal budget like that was the extravagant thing they could get but that was it (laughs) they couldn't afford any actual monkeys (laughs) Um, so she picks up her three companions they each do just a bang-up job i noticed all three of these guys i looked up the actors who played the scarecrow tin man and cowardly lion they all three came from a vaudeville background Mm mm-hmm and they're just fantastic dancers. I miss those days when just everybody in Hollywood was also like a song and dance man. Yeah. Um, and could do a little soft shoe for you. <laughs> and also now I know where Michael Jackson got that like stay with your feet planted but lean forward move from mm-hmm. uh, from the Smooth Criminal video. It's totally the Tin Man and Wizard of Oz, man. <laughs> yeah, there, there's just so much in that movie that you see from all over the place yeah. that was clearly co-opted <laughs> yeah yeah and and little just wonderful bits of physical acting like how every time they follow the yellow brick road away like the scarecrow's following them and then he like collapses and dorothy without even looking at him just grabs him by the scruff of his neck and picks him back up mm-hmm. um like i love that yeah i thought i thought the acting across the board like of course there's scenery being chewed all over the place but yeah. the commitment was fantastic yeah like yeah. that grown-ups are in those full body suits which can't be comfortable <laughs> yeah and, you know, they're just going for it and singing and jumping around. And yeah. So the, I think it was definitely a great word for it. They yeah. really they really just kind of go all in. And there's it was really jarring just as a as a watcher of modern film for there to be just no irony about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's 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 I guess a little bit of what you could call irony. Like when they when they're headed to the witch's castle later in the film, there's that sign that says this way to the witch's castle and another sign that says I'd turn back if I were you. Uh-huh. And like. <laughs> That's what passes for an ironic joke in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so mild compared to anything we're used to. Like, in this, you know, nowadays in our Shrekified children's movie landscape, we'd have gotten like a Starbucks gag or something like that. Um, it was really, really cool to see them, like you said, just commit to like, no, we're just telling a story for little kids. Yeah, and even like the um, the the first guard who sort of pokes through the hole and answers the door mm-hmm. when they sort of reach the the palace. Yeah. Like just every little bit roll really seemed to throw themselves into it. Yeah. And they're like, I'm a grown up, but I'm going to make wild gesticulations with my hands and, yeah. and deliver a high voice. And yeah, this, this is what we're doing today. Yeah. Um, did you notice, well, before they get to the, before they get to the Emerald city, you know, they see the Emerald city and they're running. And I guess we're supposed to believe that the wicked witch of the West just made a field of poppies appear. Um, in front mm-hmm. of them to put them to sleep. Now, was that a heroin gag? I hadn't really thought about it. That's a good question. I'd have to look at the timelines. Yeah, big field of poppies, putting them to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, was opium on the rise then? or I mean, opium was certainly a thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oscar Wilde was into that shit. <laughs> um, I mean, I really don't know. Um, 
listeners, if you if you have some context about Wizard of Oz and can help us understand like these illusions, that would be great. Because you know you hear that like L. Frank Baum's original book was uh, all about like America getting off the gold standard. Um, hmm. Yeah, supposedly the whole movie is actually about monetary policy. Really? Yeah, I kind of ignored that because that sounds boring. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in the original book, they're silver slippers instead of ruby slippers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about like getting off gold and silver and how that's going to destroy us as a nation or something. Hmm. I don't know. It's uh, a good choice for Technicolor to make them ruby slippers. That yeah. definitely would not have played the same if they were silver. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they made the right call there because um, the ruby slippers look great. I mean, every color in this movie can't say it enough just dazzles you like no wonder kids in the 60s were taking acid and watching this (laughs) shit like they nobody had made the wall yet so (laughs) um this was what they had um and it also like after watching the movie something that occurred to me because you know about the whole everybody knows about the whole pink floyd dark side of the moon thing with wizard of oz and that i mean i personally think that's just a fun film coincidence Mm -hmm. like there are plenty of other movies that line up with other albums you can find articles online about plenty of you know play led zeppelin 4 and watch the matrix or whatever Mm -hmm. and and there are a whole bunch of coincidences um so i think that it's telling just because i i never pass up an opportunity to trash the baby boomers as a generation (laughs) um it's telling that they would co-opt the wizard of oz in this way and sort of I, I feel like the whole dark side of the moon thing is almost an act of like taking it back and mm-hmm. saying, you know, this culture that was our parents and was kind of foisted on us and means the establishment to us, we're twisting it into this thing. It yeah. is hip for some reason. Yeah, exactly. And now, you know, we know this thing about it that they don't even know. And that means that, you know, every time they watch it and talk about how cool it is, they're actually secretly playing into our subversion agenda. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I can definitely think of similar circumstances where that's that seems like a very exciting moment when you realize that you're enjoying something correctly. Yeah, and the people who love it aren't. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it's it's that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, the the poppies thing happens. I'd love to hear about whether or not that was actually about opium. <laughs> um, and then they get to Oz, and uh, then we see the horse of a different color, which I loved. Like that was that was that thing burned my eyes. It right. was so bright. Um, it's about the most regal purple I've ever seen on film. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. And uh, then Oz tells them, "We'll give you the brain, the heart, and the courage." Um, I'm sorry, De Noive. Um, <laughs> I loved the cowardly lion. I think it was my I think it was my favorite part of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like that guy just just is swinging for the fences this whole fucking film. Yeah, I mean, speaking of commitment, <laughs> yeah, Jesus, um, and just like the physical acting, the way he shows up on the rock the first time you see him, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Oz tells them, uh, after they finally get in to see Oz, um, by giving the gatekeeper a sob story, mm-hmm. the gatekeeper who was also the vaudeville guy, um, from, from back in Kansas, mm-hmm. um, who was also the wizard. They're all three, the same dude. Oh, I didn't um, notice it was a wizard as well. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's all of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, Dorothy gives him her sob story. I'm never going to get back to Kansas. I want to go home. Cause Annie M's dying. Cause this guy in a fucking trailer <laughs> told me this. I guess Dorothy really does have limited stimuli if she has to reuse the cast members of her daily life to populate this thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if, if, I, if I have a dream and it turns out weird, like, I'll throw some random celebrities in there, you know. <laughs> I'm getting chased down a hallway by Harrison Ford and he's got giant scissors. Whatever. Like, I'd watch that. Yeah. Oddly enough, it was Harrison Ford from Witness. 
Huh. <laughs> yeah. Can't explain it. I've never seen Witness. <laughs> <laughs> Eclectic, but I like it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> basically, at this point, Oz um, tells them he'll give them the stuff they want, but only if they go commit murder for him. <laughs> like, he totally hires Dorothy as a hitman. Like, it makes me feel like Oz, or that this whole thing would make an interesting double feature with Fistful of Dollars. <laughs> um, and how the man with no name is kind of played against those two gangs in the little town in Mexico. They should have dumped the body in the pig farm. <laughs> finish out that thread. What the fucking pig farm is for. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Chu. <laughs> um so so they head to the witch's castle they get attacked by flying monkeys mm-hmm. we have our all is lost moment um because you can on one level read this as a very traditional screenplay um so we get the third act all is lost moment of the flying monkeys attack they tear the scarecrow apart which ah which i was gonna mention sort of the like the old lady was the precursor to the old lady in gremlins yeah this was the the c-3po sort of torn apart humor Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not even just that it's it's similar. It really almost seems like the the framing of these characters and these moments. Yeah, were like it, it felt to me at least like both of those were, I mean, not directly lifted, but look like clear sort of homages to it. Yeah, and you know, this the guys who tear apart C three PO do kind of look like little monkeys. Good point. Like they're they're kind of hairy and ape like. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm reaching there, but I think you you've got a more valid. Uh, <laughs> valid uh, uh in- interpretation <laughs> and then then we see uh the the witch grabs dorothy tries to take the slippers off can't as long as dorothy's alive mm-hmm. so the Which witch seems like a weird detail to forget yeah she it... was like oh that's right you have to be dead <laughs> yeah so the witch quickly notices that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line <laughs> and decides i'm gonna kill you by locking you in a room until an hourglass runs out mm-hmm I did not get how that worked at all. Yeah, I don't know if it was ever spelled out directly of yeah. if the last granule was some kind of cyanide explosion or something. Or... Yeah, like the last one's like the, the fulminated mercury that uh, that Walter White <laughs> makes in the first season of Breaking Bad. And it was just going to explode. The whole thing was just going to spray glass everywhere. And that was how we were going to do her in. Um, maybe the witch is just into science. Um yeah, so they lock her in. Uh, witch locks her in the room and says, "Yeah, once this hourglass is out, you're gonna be dead." So the uh, the the cowardly lion, Tin Man, and Scarecrow, and Toto, who's still around, mm-hmm. um, they get into the castle by waylaying a couple of guards. Did you notice, by the way, that the guards hold up the spears, run to attack them, and then as they run, drop the spears and then just bear hug the three of them. And then we they then they go down behind that uh behind that little rock outcropping and then the fight happens beyond our view. Well, that's one way. Yeah, um, certainly we shouldn't stab them. There's a lot of talking about killing the four of them mm-hmm. and then not doing it. Right. Um, Lousy henchmen. Yeah. Well, the witch does it too later because once they get in there in their disguises, you know, we have the whole like running around in the castle thing, and then uh, she corners them three or four times. Oh yeah, and then um. They're cornered, and there's, like, you know, a huge number of henchmen, um, mm-hmm. because we can't do anything in this movie without, like, 80 dudes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they've all got their spears pointed at, uh, at our heroes. And then the witch straight up says, that's right, don't kill them right away. Let them think about what they've done. It's like, damn it. <laughs> you deserve what you get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. It's like, even worse than a Bond villain speech. So it's like, much let's worse. just hold off. Yeah. <laughs> 
let's let's just let's all just let's let's live in this moment for a while <laughs> trying to trying to be a little zen about it you know um and then uh she lights the scarecrow on fire mm-hmm. dorothy grabs a conveniently placed bucket um <laughs> throws water on the scarecrow's arm and then gets some on the witch and she melts so why was there water in that castle you know what superman does not keep in the fortress of solitude <laughs> kryptonite <laughs> I mean, was it like for a stable or something? Uh, no. I don't know. It was in a tower. Huh. They were on like the third floor. An excellent point. <laughs> the The other thing that I enjoyed, I I just remembered this as like the Futurama gag. I didn't realize it was a real reference to the yeah. fact that the Scarecrow is carrying around a gun. He was? <laughs> yeah. At one point, he has like a six-shooter that he's pointing around and it's all silver. When was he pointing a six-shooter? I think it was it was in the section approaching the witch. This was at like four in the morning. Maybe yeah. I was just having a fever dream, but I'm almost positive because I was like, holy shit, that wasn't just a Futurama joke. Like, he's got a gun pointing it around. Oh my God. Yeah, it was weird. i this movie up and watch it again. <laughs> How did I miss a gun in Oz? Yeah, and it was barely touched upon, which was even weirder. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of things that, are, that aren't even touched upon. Like, uh, I, I probably just missed it because I was obviously drinking while I watched this film. Sure. <laughs> um, where did Dorothy get that picnic basket? Because originally I thought that like Toto was running around in one, uh, or was was riding around in one, but uh, but then he's just like walking. Yeah, I mean it's it's introduced when the the old lady is gonna take Toto. Yeah. But in terms of where she picked it up in Oz, I'm not sure. Yeah, she just got it the whole time. I mean, maybe it was in the house. Like, did they snatch it away from the old lady or something? But why? And it's not the same picnic basket. Oh, the it's old lady's not? is bigger. Okay. Yeah, then it's, it's smaller and it's got like apples in it or something. Huh. But like, why are you carrying this thing around, Dorothy? Like, what could possibly be that important? <laughs> I mean, you got me. Yeah, I, I mean, at least make a bindle or something. I mean, it's the 30s. You all know how to do that. <laughs> it's yeah. not like you have many possessions. <laughs> what with the Dust Bowl um, and the recent unfortunate tornado. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I was not able to, to explain it. Um but yeah, then then Dorothy melts the witch, and it's it's like the third or fourth example in this movie of Dorothy just being down for murder. Like <laughs> I I remember like way back in Munchkinland when the witch of the east gets crushed by the house. Like it really the ding dong the witch is dead song. <laughs> yeah, that bothered me <laughs> like a lot. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean speaking of, of sort of how subtly dark it is was uh what was the the witch's quote i think it was uh this is how much longer you have to be alive with the hourglass he goes this is not long i was like wow (laughs) holy shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah it uh it's it's i guess just sort of an old-timey hollywood take on villain death like it's totally fine to kill people if they're bad <laughs> right right and they don't they're have not to... misunderstood they're evil yeah <laughs> and they don't have to do anything even they just have to be bad <laughs> no she was obviously wicked why are we even talking about it yeah i mean she's ugly yeah. clearly <laughs> <laughs> so we this city full of small people is going to celebrate and sing a song and put you in a parade because and it's funny because at first you get the feeling when Dorothy shows up in Munchkinland like wait I don't really want to be part of this war mm-hmm. or anything, um, <laughs> um I, I don't want to be part of this sort of gang war that I've fallen into, but it's pretty soon she's like yeah you know 
I'm going to do this. This is great. <laughs> well, if I can go back to Kansas, then I guess murder is okay. <laughs> <laughs> if it'll get me what I want. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's the lesson, kids. As long as you want it, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So so then she gets back to uh, to Oz, and then we do the uh, the whole pay no attention to the man behind the curtain thing, mm-hmm. which which I enjoyed. That was a fun gag. Yeah. Um, Oz looked a bit more like uh, like an alien than I remember. I yeah. remembered more of like a big bulbous head, not like the green giant brain Martian look. Yeah, he kind of looked like uh, he he, had, he kind of looked like a Star Trek alien. Because mm-hmm. he had like the, the sort of ridges kind of going up from his cheekbones up into his big, big forehead and everything. It was very strange looking. Um, and it's weird because I guess that was superimposed onto him in like his little holographic projector booth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever he was doing back there. Because um, it turns out, spoiler alert, Oz is just a dude yeah. from Nebraska. Shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he gets into his balloon and is like, okay, uh, I'm going to take you home, Dorothy, in my balloon. But first he sings a little song and gives the three uh, her three buddies the things they always wanted, which it turns out were in them all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a cheap clock shaped like a heart. <laughs> yeah, a cheap, cheap little deco <laughs> clock. Like somebody picked that up in like, I don't know, some random roadside diner in Santa Clarita or something. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. Um, a PA went and bought that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they, they, they have this, there's this sort of subtle populism kind of running through the way oz talks like you know every uh, for the for the three of them when she ta- when he when he talks about uh giving them courage heart uh and a brain um he says something to the scarecrow like you know there's plenty of people who talk way more than you and they've got no more brains than you have they just have a diploma and you don't so right there like you've got this sort of it made me think of the tea party sort of <laughs> anti-academic uh sort of thing mm-hmm. and uh then he does the same thing with uh with uh the tin man and then uh he talks about uh heroes um for the cowardly lion and says like these guys get all puffed up and they parade around and we call them heroes and they just have medals that's all they have that you don't have mm-hmm. um and so it's it's seems like the Oz at least or this the movie in this moment is interested in sort of tearing down institutional sacred cows mm-hmm. and I didn't expect that because the movie had gone so far out of its way to not really have an opinion about anything <laughs> right before that um well but, I did think that the lesson overall was kind of interesting and puzzling almost where okay her three friends they're they're chasing these characteristics and they eventually learn that they have them yeah where her lesson was sort of be satisfied in your station, don't aspire to more, and you knew that the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dorothy gets uh, gets shat on. Yeah, she sort of gets gets the short end of lessons. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it turns out you were great. It, no, this is just, this is, this is going to be the story of you. <laughs> it turns out this is all you are. Yeah. Um, especially after Oz just straight up leaves her. Um, because Toto, like a dick, runs off. Um, anytime this movie is stuck in a place, like, Toto is totally just, the, he's like this furry little, cute little deus ex machina, uh-huh. just running around with him. Anytime the movie needs something, just have Toto do a thing, and they will be in, uh, in, uh, r- r- really good, uh, shape. But, um... Yeah, because uh, Toto runs off the balloon just as she and Oz are about to leave. She gets off the balloon to go get her little dog. 
um, who has caused her nothing but trouble. Like, <laughs> he's going to be fine. Leave him in Oz. There's got to be another little terrier somewhere in Kansas. Yeah, I suspect that dog is going to be like tied to a stake for the rest of its life to make sure it doesn't get into trouble. I hope so. <laughs> I hope something bad happens to that dog. <laughs> like, I'm not saying kick it or anything like that. That would be cruel. Yeah. But, but maybe we can find it to a pen. Like, maybe maybe it's an inside dog from now on. Um, how hard can that be? Yeah. Uh, so then Oz leaves without her. I love the scene. No, come back and get me. He's like, I can't. I don't know how this works. <laughs> like, and Shocking moment just, of honesty from the wizard. Yeah. And the movie just glosses right over that because she's sad for about 12 seconds before the witch shows up, Glinda, the good witch. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, by the way, those ruby slippers? Yeah, they could have taken you home at any point. <laughs> and then Glinda proves that she is not a good witch after all. When she says, uh, someone says, like the scarecrow says, well, why didn't you tell her this? Asking the obvious question. Um, <laughs> Playing because, the role of the audience. <laughs> yeah, because she wouldn't have believed me is the answer. Uh, she's, uh, which I'm thinking like, I'm pretty sure she would have at least given it a shot. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, what what's there to lose? Yeah, you've confronted her a land, her with a land where everything's in color for the first time in her life, first of all. <laughs> um, there's tiny little people dressed in costumes singing songs, mm-hmm. and there's a talking scarecrow. Like, you know, I'm I, at this point, I'm, I'm not skeptical about anything. Mm-hmm. I've got a pretty open mind. Um, and then I think they go on and say something like, you had to realize the lesson that you need to stay on your shitty dirt farm. <laughs> um, and then once you really wanted to get back to your shitty dirt farm, this thing would take you there. Yeah. And also it, it seems so much nicer when she decides to leave. Isn't it like you've conquered the evil and everyone loves you and now you can go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't get like you had to figure out that you wanted to go. She wanted to go home from the second she showed up yeah, in Oz. That's a good point. Like, the whole time she was like, this is all I want. Her motivation is crystal motherfucking clear. Yeah, and it seems like she has the right motivation, too. Like, she's worried about her aunt, and she yeah. wants to make sure she's okay. It's not even like she starts off a greedy kid. Yeah, it's not like she's like, I want to go home so I can sell the farm to the bicycle lady, <laughs> cash out, and go to L.A., where I'm going to develop a pill habit. Right, um, or I'll be riding the pole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Judy. Um, <laughs> uh but yeah she uh if if it, if it consoles you at all judy later in life you're gonna be a gay icon um even though you don't know what that means mm-hmm. um it was a weird time um but yeah she she always wants it there was no point at which she wouldn't have gone yeah i'll try clicking my heels together mm-hmm. i really think that uh that glinda and oz just used dorothy as a tool for a proxy war that's all that was happening here this the, <laughs> a useful tool fell out of the sky what a lucky day <laughs> yeah you know maybe the movie's not about monetary policy maybe it's about like you know pre-world war ii american foreign policy scapegoats and yeah or you know maybe it was just predicting the cold war maybe henry kissinger saw wizard of oz (laughs) and was like you know what i could do with chile is (laughs) somewhere between dr strange love and uh and the wizard of oz we have an answer yes (laughs) we have a cogent foreign policy (laughs) yes mr nixon i have some great news (laughs) i know how we can really make make some lemonade over in vietnam (laughs) Yeah, it, uh, so she gets back to um, to Kansas by clicking her heels together and saying there's no place like home, as you all probably know. And she shows up. And then something weird happens. She wakes up in her bed. Auntie M's there. And then the snake oil salesman just pops into her window. <laughs> like, I think he says something like, oh, I heard there was a sick girl or something. That's right. He does. Yeah. Like, 
First, how did how did you hear that? <laughs> That's the gossip amongst the five people that live <laughs> on this farm. They don't leave. Yeah, like who's who's saying a damn word? Or do you guys have a sign out front where you just post the news of the day? Like no one's talking to this guy. Did he? Did, maybe he? Maybe he's really psychic. Maybe. That was the crystal ball talking? Yeah, maybe like he saw that as a vision. And maybe he really did see Auntie M have a heart attack, but it's going to happen in like six weeks. <laughs> and Dorothy's not there just because she's out getting like some eggs or whatever. Right, right. Or, or not eggs, they have chickens or whatever. Maybe they she's don't... there and realizes there's nothing you can do. Because <laughs> <laughs> she saw the witch die and it prepared her. <laughs> she's able to accept it now. Oh, morning. Yeah. She's, she's come to a place where everything kind of makes sense. Because she she took a life, and now she's cold inside. <laughs> and now Uncle Henry's looking at her going, Dorothy, why aren't you crying? Just, I'll never cry again. Not because <laughs> after what I saw inside my concussion dream. Well, at least I didn't kill this one. <laughs> or, or maybe she's just skeptical of everybody after being used by Oz and, and Glinda. Like, maybe she's just going, no, Henry, like... I know this is some sort of theater and you're going to go ask me to like go kill the bicycle lady or some shit like that. Like, Can no. Can you just tell me the lesson? <laughs> I swear I'll listen. Because like, <laughs> she really is kind of a naive little twat at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like with the whole like, no, you can't take Toto away. Just appealing like Uncle Henry, don't let them take Toto away. Auntie M, don't let them take Toto away. Like the dog bit a person. Like, <laughs> that's sorry. the lesson. Yeah, like, sorry. Like, <laughs> she's got to slip a paper from the law. Right. And you don't go against the law. Mm-hmm. That's the other lesson. <laughs> so we're getting uh, we're getting kind of close to the point where we'll, 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 we'll wrap it up. But yeah, I mean, do you feel like it holds up? I thought it was definitely worth watching. I mean, it's yeah. beautifully made, an interesting piece of history. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, new and interesting plot developments, I don't know if there's that much to be gleaned from it. But it was certainly a cool watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean it. It felt really great uh, to just watch it as as a piece of history, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, it did a lot of things first, um, and you know, probably even better than a lot of movies now. I mean, the main thing I loved about it was it's it's just confidence in putting the camera on these set pieces and just letting it roll. Yeah, totally. You know, it. Uh, I mean, in a world of compositing, just seeing that they constructed something that massive is pretty crazy. Yeah, like and and that they got that many people together. Yeah. And costumed them all. I mean, even when when we make a zombie movie now, like I remember watching the behind the scenes for uh, for Dawn of the Dead um and seeing like the way they did like the close-up zombies um you know who had the best makeup and then they kind of did the like middle zombies who had the okay makeup and then the zombies in the back they just put rubber masks on them mm-hmm. because they knew they were going to be far enough away and i don't feel like this movie did that i feel like this movie like the the little munchkin in the back had just as meticulous of a costume as the mayor of munchkinland yeah i had to agree with that you know mm-hmm. every single person had so much care put into everything about what they did i mean this was a triumph of art department and this was before production designer was even a position mm-hmm. production designer didn't become a thing on films until gone with the wind Victor Filming's next movie, which you know what probably happened was Wizard of Oz was a little bit of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, for him. yeah, I bet. And then then this period drama about the fucking Civil War comes along. Is you know what? I'm gonna need a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like you were saying about the Scarecrow's makeup, like yeah. movies were not 
something that had been going on for decades and decades and decades. Like yeah. the idea of having makeup that would look that good on film that you could get real up close on and yeah. it would still look good. I thought was just so impressive from the era. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the tin man's jaw, the way it was sort of built on and everything mm-hmm. just looked, looked phenomenal. The scarecrow was my favorite one though. Cause I really could not see where, I mean, I know the rope around his neck, was uh, <laughs> was kind of disguising a lot of where the fabric started and the makeup ended. Sure, but even be even above the rope, it looked just fabricy, just seamlessly into his face. Mm-hmm. And it also helped, like you said, that they had such wonderfully expressive actors who had a stage background. So these guys are used to really over emoting and selling it from the wide shots, um, which let them kind of pull back and just watch these guys dance for a little while. Yeah, because there weren't a lot of close ups. Um, we we didn't get like I said before, there was no. Cut Coverage. It was just like, we're going to do this in two, three shots. And then we'll, you know, do the wide shot. They'll dance off down the re- yellow brick road and we'll move on. And that'll be the second act of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, uh, it, it, it's kind of a shame that modern actors have lost that. Um, because, I mean, now, obviously, we've got film actors who are a lot smaller and feel a lot more like real people to us, um, thanks to kind of... You know, guys like Marlon Brando kind of making that change um, in stuff like Streetcar Named Desire. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would like to see just, you know, for the sake of variety, like whenever you make stylized stuff, you know, guys who can kind of swing for the fences, which I guess like the place for that now would be, you know, modern science fiction and guys acting underneath tons of makeup. Um, You know, that's where people really kind of go balls to the wall with their uh, with their emoting and everything. But I think. Anybody who wants to do that kind of acting needs to watch the fucking Wizard of Oz and watch how these guys do it because they they just I'm gonna sound all uh, all Gene Shalady, but uh, <laughs> I was transported. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely there is something to be said uh, for when the whole cast is doing it. Mm-hmm. Like if one guy was doing that in a modern movie, I mean, it It'd would feel probably hammy. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when everyone's committed and that's the whole vibe to it, it definitely is is much more expressive in a meaningful way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it 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 felt like an amazing stage production. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Uh, you know, if you watch it, don't expect it to feel anything like a movie now. The storytelling is really simplified. Um, but watch it like you'd watch a show, not a film. And I think you'll get a whole, whole lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at. Um, so uh, anything else to say about The Wizard of Oz? Uh, I guess just my closing thought was I did think it was pretty funny going back to the, uh, you know, living in poverty and all that. When she came across all her friends that her first observation is that they're the best friend she's ever had. It's like, that and, poor, poor girl. And they're all middle-aged farmhands. <laughs> yeah, we never see Dorothy interact with anyone her age. No. Yeah, maybe maybe all the others died of typhus. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing back then, typhus? Uh, I'm sure there was something Oregon Trail-ish <laughs> taking people down. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what, what, what are we, uh, we going to cover next week? Uh, I mean, I was, I was sort of thinking back on a lot of Aronofsky movies lately. So I was thinking maybe the fountain or, um, I don't know, the wrestler or something, but, um, um, have you seen the fountain? I've actually never seen the fountain. Okay. It it might take three watches. So I don't know if you have time enough to commit to that, but I think it's like 90 minutes. So, okay. Um, yeah. So which one do you want to do? Oh, you can do the fountain. Cool. That'll be Um, fun. Then I will watch the fountain twice Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, and, uh, join us next time when we discuss something that probably couldn't be any less like the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) 
Well, there's a lot of colors. Okay, well, uh, there, there's some continuity to it then. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, we will talk to you next week. All right, later.